Good morning, good morning. Beautiful morning it is, isn't it? Wow. Uh, so excited to be with you. I want to uh, get right off and uh, turn to John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in there with me. Um, today we're ending a series that we've been working on uh, for the last seven or eight weeks. I think this is week eight, um, where we're talking about the I am statements of Jesus. And where this was birthed from, where this came from, uh, is Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. If you seek me, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And, and, and if our pursuit is Jesus, if our pursuit is this Jesus, then let's talk about who this Jesus is. And so we've been looking at things like Jesus is the bread of life, right? That was week one, the first I am statement. As bread sustains physical life, so Jesus sustains our, our spiritual life. And then we talked about how Jesus is the light of the world. Right And how he um, turns off the darkness, uh, Jesus offers himself as a guide in life, and then he talked about then we talked about on the door, right Jesus protects his followers as, as shepherds, and he protects his flock. Then we talked about how he 's the resurrection and the life. Death is not the final word for those in Jesus, and then we talked about the good shepherd. Right? We talked about the Good Shepherd. You remember, you remember what we talked about with the Good Shepherd? I've been having a lot of fun with this lately. Um, and I don't know if you have, maybe in your home, but um, one of the things about shepherds that, that we may or may not know is that if a, if a, if a sheep was, was wandering off or straying off, a shepherd would break its legs. Right? would break the sheep's legs and then carry that sheep um, until the legs healed. And then when the, when the legs had healed, that sheep would never leave the shepherd's side again. And we talked about sometimes, sometimes uh, our shepherd needs to break our legs. Right? And, um, and, and we talked about that. And then we, then we talked about I am the way, the truth, and the life last Sunday. Uh, that Jesus is the source of all truth and knowledge about God. And today we're talking about I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. Have you ever had something happen in your life that wouldn't have been possible without other people? Have you? Some of you are really nodding your heads and some of you are like, hmm, uh, I'm pretty self-sustaining. Um, <coughs> I, I understand. Um, most of us have had that, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, if we think back long enough, most of us have had some type of situation, right? I got to think of every time I move. I don't, like, I don't like moving. I don't like the packing process. I'm the type of person, let's just leave it all, let's burn it all, we'll buy new when we get there, okay? <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just get new when we get there. Or let's just throw it in trash bags and throw it, that didn't uh, float well um, for everybody. And so uh, I'm willing to help you move though, if that, if that serves you uh, at all. <laughs> no takers. Okay. Um, but, uh, but, but I, I think of times that I've moved or times that other people have moved, and that's a real tangible time, right, when you see help, when you see somebody helping you do something that you uh, can't do yourself. I, I, a couple years ago, got into these things called Spartan races, and um, Spartan races are these obstacle course races, so you, it's not just running, it's, it's throwing in like monkey bars and rope climbs and different things like that, and you run through mud, and a lot of them you get really, really muddy, so it's fun, and, um, and, uh, and, and, and I remember doing one down in North Carolina a couple years ago, and we got about a mile onto the course, and, and, and I completely had a newfound respect for Spartan races, because um, there were about 30 people with a rope 
that were carrying a wounded warrior in a, in a, like a snow sled around a nine mile course on a mountain. And it took them like 10 hours to complete this with this wounded warrior. And there were 30 people. But as I ran by them, right, and you, you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell whether I was, um, crying or sweating. And that was good. And, and, um, but as I ran by them, I thought, wow, this person could not have done this themselves. But because of the people around them, because of the people around them, because of the people around, uh, and, and it, ha- it was happening all throughout the course, right? They were able to do it. And it was a real tangible way where I saw the hands and feet of Jesus right there, right? As people were helping this person complete a goal of theirs. And that happens often. And as we look into the Scriptures today, Jesus being the vine means a lot for us. It means a lot that we're going to talk about. It means a lot in the New Testament that it didn't mean in the Old Testament, and I want to talk about that. But before we dive in, I do believe that there are a couple hard things that we need to talk about today when it comes to Jesus being the vine. And so I'm just going to ask God to bless this message one more time. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that you're the vine. I thank you that you're the source of all things in your Son. And I thank you that you sent him for us, that we could have life and that we could enjoy you and that we could be in fellowship with you. And so, God, I pray that you bring peace in this room. I pray that you bring rest in this room. I pray that you bring joy in this room and that you minister to our hearts through your word this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's turn John chapter 15. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 17 uh, together. Jesus is speaking again. And remember, we're probably, uh, we're about 24 to 36 hours um, before the cross at this point. And so that gives you a little bit of perspective. John 14, 15, 16 were all written, were all recorded in the last 48 hours of Jesus' life. And so we're heading to the cross and Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. We're going to talk about those two verses a lot in just a few minutes. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now I want to talk about that word abide because we're going to see it a few more times throughout the scripture. Dylan, can you run up here for a second? Please? Okay, so, so, so I want to talk about this because a lot of people are like, abide. What does abide mean? Can somebody give me like a one-word definition of abide? Yeah. Remain. Remain? That's a good definition. That's a good one-word definition. Remain. The one I like the most, Luke, is dwell, right? To, to dwell in, to remain in. That's a really good word too, buddy. I like that one. I might steal that one. All right. So, so Dylan's, Dylan's going to help me out with this, and this is what it means to abide. I just want to show you this, okay? And I thought about bringing a bunch of dirt in here and putting it on the floor, but I didn't think Dylan would appreciate that very much. And so we're just going to imagine, we're going to imagine, right, that we're in the time of Jesus and we're walking on dirt, okay? And, and the idea, and some of you may have heard this before, there's been books written about it, there's been articles written about it, but the idea of abiding is to be, right, covered in the dust of the rabbi. 
okay? In the dust of Jesus. And so if, if, if Jesus, right, beard makes sense, right? If Jesus here, right, is walking, the idea of abiding would be that I want to follow so close to Jesus that I get covered in his dust, right? That's, that's what Jesus is talking about here when he's abiding. So when he starts walking, I'm moving with him, right? We didn't even plan this, can you tell? But you get the picture, right? That he's walking. I want to be so close to Jesus, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. If you abide in me and I in you, if you're being covered in the dust of the rabbi. Got it? Got the picture? All right, let's keep reading. Thanks, Dylan. Verse 5. Verse 5. You did great, sort of. Okay, verse 5. I am the vine... And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. Right? Wrong. Right? For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. I want to make sure we get this because that's a big verse in the Scriptures. For apart from me, Jesus is speaking, for apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Better believe we're going to come back to that one. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide or dwell or remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love that verse. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Hmm. We need this right now, church. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Wow. These 17 verses are jam-packed with promises they're jam-packed with the gospel and as jesus is heading to the cross his call his 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 plea to his hearers is to abide in me right abide in my love let these words abide in you and 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 on all of these things if you abide in me then i will abide in you we see that word over and over and over again but there's some imagery here with jesus being the vine that probably doesn't strike us like it, would have, like it would have struck a Jew in the first century. And so I want to unpack that pretty quickly for you. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, it's loaded with meaning. Throughout the Old Testament, that imagery of the vine is used towards God pe- God's people. 
And in the Old Testament, if you came across this imagery that, that God was the vine of someone or something being the vine, that was always Israel or the people of God. And yet every time it's used in the Old Testament, it's used negatively. Which I found really interesting. That here Jesus is using this imagery that He is the vine, but for these Jews, for these, for these Old Testament uh, uh, hearers that, that would have known that, that would have heard the teaching of the Old Testament over and over and over again, right? When they hear Him say that He is the vine, they're going to connect that negatively because whenever it was mentioned in the Old Testament, it was mentioned negatively. Because when Israel was the vine... It was always accompanied with a declaration that they were a vine that did not bear fruit and therefore the wrath of God was coming. Whenever they heard it, it was a declaration that they were a vine that did not bear fruit and therefore the wrath of God was coming. When you heard the vine terminology in the first century, if you were a Jew, it was almost always a pronouncement of judgment. Yet here, Jesus is turning that on its head. And He says, I'm the true vine. In short, he's saying, I'm doing what you cannot do yourself. And I'm being what you've not been able to be. This is nothing short of a gospel declaration of Jesus. I am doing what you cannot do on your own. I am being what you've not been able to be. He's entering into this banner of failure over their lives and he's saying, I've got this. And that's what Jesus meant. That's, that's what happened when Jesus said, I'm the true vine. You've not been able to be fruitful in a way that pleases God, but I've got you. I am the true vine. And what he's doing here, I hope you see this, what he's doing here for, the, for his hearers is he's rescuing this imagery of judgment, this imagery of failure, this imagery of no matter how hard they worked, no matter how hard they tried, they always fell short. And what he's doing is he's stepping into the mess. Don't you, don't you love, don't you love that we serve a God that doesn't avoid our mess, but he steps into our mess that we're prone to and that you and I are just as prone to today to feel as though we were to feel in the first century. And as hard as it, as it is for us to believe, it was hard for them to believe that what Jesus is saying here is true. He's saying, no, I've got you. I'm the true vine. And the type of fruitfulness that pleases the Lord that you have been able to, that you've been unable to walk in, now I'm going to make possible for you. That's what's happening in this simple statement when Jesus says, I'm the vine. That's what's happening in this imagery. As much as we strive, as much as we work, as hard as we try to be moral and upright and just be good people, we talked about it last week. We're going to fall short of that over and over and over again. And that's all of our stories. So what does that mean for us? This call to abide in Jesus, what does that mean for us? I think it means a few things. And the first thing it means is fruit. The first thing that it means is that we've got to look at our fruit. We've got to look at our fruit. Look back at verse 1 and 2. I, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch in me that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may be more fruitful. I want you to see here that this is kind of a lose-lose situation. Encouraged? 
If you, if you don't bear fruit, you're cut off. If you do bear fruit, you're cut off. Just in a different way, right? If you, if you bear fruit, you're pruned. If you don't bear fruit, you're cut off. And so, what do we do? We expect pruning. We expect pruning. We expect hard times. We expect, we expect that, 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 that the Christian life isn't always going to be downy soft. Right? He is what we could not be. Jesus being the vine, so expect to be pruned. Now, now I mentioned it from the beginning, so, so we're ready for it, right? Quick, hard conversation. And if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to go ahead and, and point out that you might not trust me enough for me to say this to you, but I need to say it. I need to say it and let the Lord handle me in His time, okay? Deal? Deal. To be a Christian is to bear fruit. Can we agree with that? To be a Christian is to bear fruit. If there's no fruit, I believe there's no genuine belief. If there's no fruit, I believe there's no genuine belief. And I believe that we are skirting this line so hard. And, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the hard conversation that we've got to have. Here's the hard conversation that we've got to have. You ready? Because we've talked about this a lot, and I can't wait till Advent. We're going to have a real good conversation about this uh, the second Sunday in December. And so you can take from now till then off if you want to and just come back. But um, one, of the, one of the things that I think we have tried to explain away in the church is our responsibility to judge one another's fruit. Well, well Pastor, we're, we're not supposed to judge. We, we talk about all the time how God is judged. That's so true. But if you're a member at Summit, like that's one of the benefits of membership. You get to be judged. Isn't that awesome? Like That's one of the benefits of membership. Because, because listen, accountability has to happen. Right? Accountability has to happen. We have to be held accountable. I mean, that's why I love the picture. Some of you probably think I'm pretty sick for this, and that's that's okay. Like, like, like we can have coffee and we can explain it to each other. But 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 I love the picture of the shepherd breaking the leg of the sheep. I love that picture. I love that picture because it's accountability, it's training, it's molding. And none of us are exempt or grow out of that. See, some, some of us feel like we've grown out. We've grown past, right, being accountable. We've grown past. We talked about it last week. We've grown past our responsibility to serve. No, 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 you haven't. If you're still breathing, if God still has breath in your lungs, guess what? You're accountable to the church of Jesus Christ and you have a responsibility to serve His kingdom. You do. You have a responsibility to bear fruit. We have a responsibility to bear fruit. And and that's the issue. Listen to me. Listen to me. Hear my heart this morning. Hear my heart this morning. Because if you don't hear my heart this morning, this is going to sound really judgmental and cruel. And I'm talking to the members of a church. Bless you for being a member of a church and being accountable to God's people. There are too many people. There are too many people floating 
floating in Christian culture today with no home and no accountability. And we wonder why things are spiraling out of control. We wonder why, we wonder, we wonder why churches are so broken. Because there's no accountability. There's no accountability. I have, some, I have some witnesses in the room, I believe. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this to say I'm awesome. I'm everything but, if you know me. But when I came to Maine in 2011, I came from a broken leadership and I begged for accountability. There was no finance team. We put in a finance team. There was no accountability for the pastor. We put in accountability for the pastor. I wanted plurality of leadership because I know that if I try to do this thing on my own, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to suffer. And again, I'm not saying that because... I'm that awesome. I'm saying that because I'm that broken. That I need people. That I need people in my life to ask me hard questions even if I don't want it. All the time. If there's no fruit, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, back to you. Okay, let's get off of me for a second. Let's get back to you. (laughs) Now it's all of us, right? That if there's no Fruit, there's no genuine belief. Who in your life is judging your fruit? Now, before we get too excited and think about all the conversations that we've got to have before we leave this place and judge some fruit, you need to think about the process. Right? You need to think about have you earned, and this is what we're going to talk about in December, have we earned the right to be heard? Right? Have we walked with people? Right? Because because here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've learned. Here's the thing that I've learned. Is there's always a reason that someone acts that way. Have you heard? Have you heard the brokenness behind the behavior? And so before we go and start holding accountable, we need to hear some stories. We need to hear some stories. I told the story that I experienced back in, in, in August. I was, I was leading a, a, a camp and, and we had small group leaders and this small group leader came to me and he was so broken. He said, man, he said, um, this guy, he just comes to my small group and he just complains about his, his wife uh, and, 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 and so much. So much he complains, and, and then and then I heard how he spoke to his wife, and it made sense why she treats him like that. How do I tell him that? I was like trying to phone a friend, like how can I call Rick Oshner in this moment and see what he would. But I said, I said, hey, listen, the reality is he probably has no idea that he's sounding that way, right? Ask him. Ask him. Hey. You say this in small group, but then I hear that you, you speak this way. Have you noticed how those two things don't add up? Before you just go say, hey man, it makes sense why, you're, why your wife treats you like that. Like, you're a jerk. Probably not the way to go. Unless you've known the person for a while. There's some guys in this room I can go up to and have that conversation. You're being a jerk. Stop. Cut it out. 
But there's some guys in this room I can't have that conversation with. And so we would go the softer approach, right? The point being, we are accountable for our fruit. We are accountable for our fruit. We ought to be accountable for our fruit to some people, especially in this room. If we define, so, 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 here, so here's one more conversation that we've got to have, right? How we define that fruit starts to matter. How we define that fruit starts to matter. Because what you see as fruit may not be what everybody sees as fruit. If you define fruit in external, moral, religious ways, guess what? You're no better than the Pharisees. If we define fruit in external, as external, right, moral, religious, right, we talked about it last week, just be better, just, just try to be good enough, guess what, we're no better than the Pharisees, because that's not how Jesus defines fruit. He's saying here, if you don't bear any fruit at all, you get cut off. But let's talk about the other ones, Right? What about those good ones of us who do bear fruit? You get cut back. Why would the Lord prune what's fruitful so that we bear more fruit? So that we bear more fruit. So what does it mean to be fruitful? Does it mean that we're going to have awesome careers and that we're never going to get sick and that everyone's going to love us? Is that the kind of fruit that we can expect as Christians? No. Of course not. He's going to say it like this in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the things we exemplify as we're bearing fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus says because He is what we could not be, He's pruning us so that we could grow in those areas. And so the first thing is fruit. Abiding, being in the dust of the rabbi means for us fruit. The second thing it means that we see in this text is joy. Is joy. Right? Look at verse uh, 11. In fact, I'm going to back up to verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love this illustration. Okay? Because I think it tells a lot about us. And we, we may do this again at marriage retreat because there's some, probably some things that we need to work out um, within this. Right? Uh, how many of you love the game uh, when you're driving, I want to see how close I can get to empty before I run out of gas. Okay? Anybody? Anybody in the room? Okay? Typically, typically it's one in a marriage. Okay? Typically, one of you likes to run it until you see fumes. Right? And then you find a gas station. The other one, you get to a half a tank, got to go fill up. Got to go fill up. I'm running out of gas. I got to go fill up. Got to go fill up. Can you go fill me? I... So... I'll just go ahead and take all the guessing out for you and be accountable, be vulnerable to you right now. I like the fumes, okay? I like the fumes. I I love math, and so I'm always guessing. I'm always doing the math in my head that if the thing tells me I've got 14 miles, I can make it home and back into town twice before I need gas. It's fun living on the edge, right? Living on the edge. The issue comes when we do that with our life. 
The issue comes is that some of us struggle doing that with our bodies, doing that with our relationships, doing that with our jobs, doing that in our marriage, doing that in, 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 in all of the other ways, right? We just try to push ourselves, push ourselves, push ourselves, push ourselves, push ourselves until we don't even see fumes, but everything just explodes or breaks down. That's not the way of Jesus. Although today, in today's culture, we wear it like a badge of honor. We feel like people will give us a medal if we tell them how little we slept and how much we worked. And that's not the way of Jesus. And we see it right here in verse 11. That my joy may be in you and that my joy, that your joy may be full. Full. So let's talk about what joy is and we'll come back to that illustration. We'll kind of close it down in just a minute. What's at stake in all of this that I'm talking about? These things that I've spoken to you. This is why Jesus is teaching this. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so what we've got to talk about and what we've got to deal with here because I think we've got it a little bit backwards sometimes. Joy and happiness are not the same things. Right? Joy and happiness are not the same things. And one is worthy of pursuit and one is not. So let's talk about happiness. Happiness is frail. Happiness is fragile. Happiness can be affected by all of our external circumstances, by all of our external situations. And, and see, the reality is we know this. We've felt this. We've woken up one day happy. Playing the radio loud, chances are temptations are on, your windows are down. Is that just me? Okay, and for whatever reason, you feel happy. Then, what happens is, one person on 95 in the left lane is going 50. You know what happened, right? You know what happens. You run them off, no, um... (laughs) Or, 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 one person, let's, let's bring it to a younger uh, crowd maybe, one person said something on your wall that you didn't like. Or you saw something on social media, or you saw something that you didn't like. You just saw that one person out and about, and happiness is gone. Happiness broke. It shattered in your hands, and you have no idea what happened. See, happiness is built on external circumstances. Happiness is built on external circumstances. So let's talk about joy. Let's talk about joy. Joy is different than happiness. It's not built on external circumstances, but it's built on ultimate spiritual realities. Being that I belong to Jesus and He belongs to me and that I'm positioned in His presence and He is what I will never be and I get to melt into that and rest into that. See, I don't believe, and and I'm going to contend this morning, that I don't believe that we can have joy outside of Jesus. We can fake it. We can fake joy. Right? Right? But we don't have true joy, that peace, that patience, that that kindness, that faithfulness, that genuineness, that goodness. We don't have the fruits of the Spirit, that pure joy, that real joy outside of Jesus. I don't ever feel in joy that I'm going to be outed by somebody. Insecurity doesn't live in joy. Fear of man doesn't live in joy. In 
joy. Shame doesn't live in joy. If somebody points out a sin in my life, and if I'm living in joy, if I'm walking in joy, I can usually think, that's all they know about? I'm good. And the rest is Jesus' finished work in my life and in your life. Why these things matter is this. The God of the universe is serious about your joy. The God of the universe is serious about your joy. Your deep-rooted, deep-seated confidence that He has you. That He's for you. And that He will make a way. Stop trying to be happy. Find joy. And what I've found is that when we find joy, we find rest. It's beautiful. So, as we abide in Jesus, as we walk in the dust of the rabbi, we see fruit, we find joy, and guess what? We experience greater love. Verse 12 and 13, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay uh, down his life for his friends. These things I command you, if you skip down to verse 17, so that you will love one another. Jesus being the true vine gives us the power to love. And that power to love is going to be, I hope, a really profound moment for us. That power to love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I've commanded you, so that you love one another. So, as we abide in Jesus, as we walk in the dust of the rabbi, we see fruit, we see joy, and we experience greater love. No greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friends. But why do this? I think the why, I think the why is found in this, ver- in this, in this text. The why is found in this text. And we read it earlier. We read it earlier in verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Worship team is going to come this morning. I won't breed a play for just a minute. But as, as they do, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to hear me. I'm going to ask you to stay, stay focused right here. Because I think that's a big verse. And I think if there's any level of spiritual maturity in you, you've found that verse to be true. That apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so why talk about this? Why take these seven I Am statements? I'm the door. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the... I'm the bread of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm, I'm the vine. I'm the true vine, right? Why, why do this? Because here's what I hope you'll get. And here's what I hope you'll go back and listen to over and over. Here, here's what I hope that, that, we can, that we can cling to. Here's what I hope that we'll write somewhere, that we'll see it every day, is this. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the source of all things. And so, listen, I know, I know some of you are probably thinking, man, eight weeks and that's all we got? 
It's pretty anticlimactic. I know that, right? Pastor, listen, you're not telling me something I haven't heard for years and years and years. Jesus is the source? Well, here's my question. Why aren't we living like it? Here's what I want you to answer to God right, right now in these moments. And we're going to sing a song. Here's what, here's what I want you to answer to God. Not to me. Not to your neighbor. Here's what I want you to go to God with right now in these next few moments. God, am I living my life with you as the source? Would my life reflect? Does my checkbook reflect? Does my, does, do, do my kids reflect? Does my marriage reflect that I'm living with you as the source of my life? And if not, what do you want to work on first? What do you want to work on first? You want to talk about provider, sustainer? You, you want to deal with the fact that you're the bread of life? Okay, let's go there first. Let's go there first. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust that you're going to provide. I trust that you're going to be. I trust that I don't need to make this happen anymore. You got this. Show me what you need me to do, Jesus. I don't, I'm not going to insert. Show me what you need me to do. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And in all these things, in all these things, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. In all of these things, in all of these things, can we look at Jesus today and say, I trust you. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And let's add that John 15 verse onto that. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear that, there's freedom in that verse. There's freedom in that promise. There's freedom. There's freedom from shame. There's freedom from pressure. There's freedom. There's freedom. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had. We've gone here a couple times, and I'll, I'll land with this. Pastor, I just don't know what else I can say to convince them about Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can't. The prayer is, God, will you please? Listen, this is the prayer I pray in my office every Sunday morning. You know why I'm not up here singing with you? Because a lot of times I'm in my office praying, God, God, there's nothing I can say today. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing. Nothing. I'm nothing. Nothing. And the prayer is, God, will you make yourself real to these people in that room this morning?
wherever that person is that's on our mind right now, God, will you make yourself real to him this morning? God, will you make yourself real to her this morning? God, will you make yourself real this morning? And here's, the, and here's where you do get involved. Here's where you do get involved. God, will you lead me in anything you want me to say to assist in that process? But God, you've got to do the work. I don't know about you, but that's freeing this morning, isn't it? I mean, he even says in there, if you abide in me and I in you, ask whatever you wish. That's a promise right there. If you abide in me and I in you, ask whatever you wish. And so this morning, two questions kind of wrapped into one question. Number one, is he your source? Is he your source? Do you trust the source? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? I love this. I saw this this morning and I debated on whether or not to, to put it in the notes and I didn't, but God just put it on my heart. Because I think this explains it really well. If you take the word Christian, and you take Christ out of it, the C-H-R-I-S-T, you're left with I-A-N. You know what that's short for? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing without the Christ. I know some of you are thinking that's pretty cheesy, but I think it's pretty awesome. I'm nothing. I'm nothing without Jesus. He's the source. And I'm going to trust the source. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning God just as we prayed earlier would you make yourself real to us would you reveal yourself to us in these areas God would we, would, would we look at our fruit would we look at our joy this morning would we look at our love and the love that that we possess and that we're giving away today? Would we look at those? Would we examine those in light of this passage? Would we ask ourselves some hard questions? God, maybe for some of us in the room, the next step, maybe for some of us in the room, the conversation that we need to have is to go to some people and say, hey, would you hold me accountable in this? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to worry about this anymore. I don't want to stress about this anymore. I want to put this in God's hands. I want to pursue Him. I want to pursue Him with everything because because apart from Him, I can do nothing. Would you hold me accountable in that? Would you push me in that? Would you press into that? God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for this. I thank you that you didn't create us to do life alone, but I thank you that you gave us brothers and sisters walking through similar things, walking through similar hardships that we can carry. Whether it be through a Spartan race or whether it be through a marriage. 
whether it be through school or a degree or whether it be through a relationship with a child. God, whatever it is, God, you didn't create us to carry it alone. You didn't create us to walk through it alone. So I pray that we press in to the hard places and that we walk in love, in joy, in fruit together with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.